Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. It is the 21st, good grief, the 21st of October 2020. Uh, I know it's crazy all around the world, but if you are living in the United Kingdom, I hope wherever you are, things aren't too mad, especially up north where lockdowns or, or local lockdowns seem to be coming in thick and fast. Obviously, London's just got it as well. I'm just outside of that bubble, but I'm sure before long, I will be caught up in it too. Although interestingly, quick side note, the gyms in Liverpool were allowed to open up again today. So I don't know what that means going forward. If you actually look into the case-by-case basis, you don't get a lot of uh cases coming out of gyms but it doesn't mean that they're not there oh it's all so hard i mean the balance of health and safety and your own mental health and obviously doing what you want to do let's not get into that let's try and forget about it for the next hour or so shout out to pinsandknuckles.com before we begin who are always supporting simon miller's pro wrestling show and of course thank you to everyone that signed up at patreon.com forward slash simon miller 316 or simon miller 316 uh, you allow me to do this. You're all very, very lovely people. You have, you know, talking about the pandemic, you have been by my side since, uh, I don't know, a few people have dropped off. Of course, I can totally understand that. But, you know, the people that have stood by my side and allowed me to keep doing this through trying times, uh, it's meant the world to me. You know, it, it really, really has. I lost uh, quite a few opportunities and the fact that I had that to fall back on was was wonderful. I wanted to make sure that I threw that out there. And thank you to anybody that hears this and also signs up. And make sure you check out my YouTube channel as well. Search for Simon Miller. And that's pretty much it. Merchandise. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com. About to have a big restock on there. Subscribe to the to the podcast too. But more importantly, professional wrestling in this week. It's There's a lot going on. I mean, we're going to talk about Bound for Glory. We're going to talk about Hell in the Cell. There's a UFC going on, if you like that. You've got the big Dynamite show tonight as well. No idea what's going on NXT because they never announced any of their any of their matches. But I am quite pumped for Halloween Havoc. I saw Eric Bischoff doing an interview about this the other day. And I just, I just like the old WCW nostalgia. Now, don't get me wrong. WCW had its problems and, you know, no disqualification matches that ended in DQs. <laughs> Judy Bagwell on a pole. But there were some good memories as well, even though the more you read about it, it's almost like, how the hell did they, you know, were they even able to keep this going for as long as they did? But I do think I'll just enjoy the theming. And um, I think my favorite Halloween haggle was 98. Was that Goldberg versus DDP? I think so. 97 or no, it must be 98 because Goldberg was champion. I love that match. And DDP actually did an interview recently where he had pitched the idea to beat Goldberg and end his streak and good grief I mean in hindsight we should have done that right because a few months later we were doing the whole cattle prod and then we were into the finger poke of doom absolutely ruined Goldberg which unintentionally also segues into that conversation that yes last week on Friday Night Smackdown Goldberg was in the crowd this was after he had tweeted about Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman a match he was particularly interested in I suppose that's a that's a that's a match down the line. I've seen a lot of negativity towards it. Obviously, I'm biased because Bill Goldberg is my dad. I don't mind it as long as we get the right result. You'd have to do Roman versus Goldberg because that's what we were going to do back at WrestleMania. But the lay of the land has changed, you know, exponentially since then. Roman Reigns is now the tribal chief. He's the top heel in the company. He's smashing it. Uh, one of my favorite characters in all of wrestling. I think him and the relationship he has with Paul Heyman is uh, is great. Talking about Paul Heyman, you could probably tie it into something with the whole Goldberg and Brock Lesnar stuff because there was um, there's history there too. 
if it ends with Roman Reigns beating Goldberg, I don't think he'll beat him easily because that doesn't sound like something Bill Goldberg would sign up for. I'll ask him over breakfast. But if it ends with Roman Reigns, you know, being able to take, you know, take a take a, a W from him too, I just think that helps Roman Reigns. I know at this juncture, look, Jey Uso, absolutely terrific feud, but you wouldn't put him in the same level as a Goldberg. But still, when you start running down the names that Roman can say that he's beaten, Jey Uso, Bill Goldberg, uh, Braun Strowman, The Fiend, they count too. And I'm sure he's going to have clashes with... Oh man, I can't even think who else he's going to have clashes with. But I'm sure there'll be other big names because, again, you want to have marquee matches. I just think this ties into the whole rhetoric that he's putting out there. I'm the head of the table. I'm the man. I'm the leader. You know, nobody can do what I do. And then I back it up in, in the ring, even if he keeps doing it by slamming people in the balls. Does it matter? No. He's meant to be an absolute prick. So, you know, maybe he can be having a somewhat competitive match with Goldberg. And I get it. I understand the problems that are there. But, you know, kicks Goldberg in the balls. Pins him one, two, three. Goldberg has not lost that much in his career. I mean, it's been far more the last few years. But top of my head, and I will have forgotten one, especially in WCW when it went crazy. But the big ones you remember is that he obviously lost to Kevin Nash. He lost to The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. He lost to Brock Lesnar. And then, you know, I start to I start to pull it. I start to pull at straws. I will be forgetting a really obvious one right now. Of course I will. But the point is, getting a win over Goldberg is still a big deal. So, do I want it at WrestleMania? Absolutely not. Would I take it at the Raw Rumble? Yes. Simply because, you know, the draw of the Raw Rumble is the Raw Rumble. And if you go back to 2004, we had Brock Lesnar versus Bob Holly. And the whole reason that WWE did that is because they knew, well, it doesn't really matter what we put in the world title picture. They were obviously still selling pay-per-views then because the Raw Rumble match is the draw. So we can have a little bit of fun. And I think from a casual fan standpoint, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns will still do something. And hopefully these guys will see the new Roman and they'll hang around. So that's my thoughts on it. I'm never going to be too and you can say that i'm too much of a positive pete i'd probably agree with you but i don't like crapping over people being given opportunities because you know if i'm a 52 year old bill goldberg and somebody offers me a lot of money and, and to and to continue to do something that is pretty cool am i going to say no absolutely not i'm going to say yes i'm not going to worry about what i think i'd worry about what the fans thought but i'm still going to do it anyway especially because he i would assume has tremendous self-belief and why wouldn't he that's how I see it. Look, it may not even happen. You know, these things are changing week to week. I don't want it to get in the way of anything else that we're doing. You know, New Day had their big breakup thing on Raw, which I absolutely loved. Um, was that Raw or SmackDown? Whatever it was. But I loved that speech. I thought it was great. Uh, Big E can now hopefully start right. I mean, what I want at WrestleMania 37, looking forward to that, is Roman Reigns versus Big E. But I don't want it to be something that we do just for the sake of it. I want at that time Big E to feel like a legitimate threat. He doesn't even have to win, depending on when Roman, Roman is at that time. But as long as he feels like a legitimate threat and we have a plan for him coming out the other side, I'm going to assume that you could have Big E win the Universal Championship and develop him into a, a massive star. Obviously, you're not going to do that if you get The Rock. I don't see it happening. You know, it's it's such a, a rumor now because Dwayne Johnson in an interview said that he'd love to do it and then Roman Reigns responded and, <clears throat> excuse me, WWE has made um, overtures that it will happen. But, you know, when he fought John Cena either the first or second time around and he basically tore his abdomen off the bone and he had to have surgery, that delayed the Hercules movie and it cost millions of dollars, maybe even hundreds of millions. The point is it cost Hollywood a lot of cash. And as big as WWE may be, they are small fry compared to Hollywood. And also The Rock doesn't gain anything from it. It's great that, you know, he wants to give back to the business and he wants to put Roman Reigns on that other level. But 
I don't know who he signed with, Warner Brothers, Paramount, whoever the hell it is, Fox. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care about Roman Reigns. They don't care about the uh, the prestige of the Universal Championship. They care about the world's biggest movie star, which is what The Rock is, being able to fulfill his obligations. So I can't I can't see it. I can't I just can't see it going down. Although of course it would be there's no bigger match out there right now, unless you were gonna do something like well, even then, I was going to come up with CM Punk versus someone. I think The Rock versus Roman Reigns is bigger when you're looking at it from a mainstream point of view. And I'm, you'll be screaming at the, at the however you're listening to this on your device, going, this match, Miller, this match, Miller. But, you know, even you could say The Rock versus Triple H. No, I think The Rock versus Roman Reigns is more interesting. And I think it would garner more interest because, I don't know, that's just my gut. And who else could? The, the Rock versus John Cena, we've done. The Rock versus The Undertaker, no, that's very specific to wrestling fans. I think The Rock versus Roman Reigns, unless you're going to do The Rock versus Brock Lesnar, that is bigger because Brock Lesnar is also a mainstream star. You know, non-wrestling fans are well aware of who Brock Lesnar is. Brock Lesnar may not even come back. You know, he's not under contract to uh, WWE. He'll never go to AEW because even if there was overtures, why, why is that my word of the day? But, you know, Vince McMahon would just outbid them. He's probably done with UFC, given his age and his family and um, uh, Rena, Rena Sable, I think is Sable's real name. Anyway, she doesn't want him fighting anymore. And that's something you have to take into account. So maybe we could do The Rock versus uh, Brock Lesnar. But even then, I think I'd prefer The Rock versus Roman Reigns. I think it's a better story, uh, especially with the whole Tribal Street and the family stuff. And they are connected in, in that sense. And if Roman did beat him, that's it. You're done. That All of Vince McMahon's dreams will... <laughs> <laughs> will we'll become a reality. But we are miles away uh, from there at this point. We've got a lot to get done beforehand, including Hell in a Cell this, uh, this Sunday. I was going to do a prediction show, but then I thought there's no need. At the moment, as of me talking, which again is Wednesday, there's four matches. <laughs> Three of which are Hell in a Cell. And one is a Hell in a Cell I Quit, which is a stipulation overload. But we have Raymond Reigns versus Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. We have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. We have Bailey versus Sasha Banks, all in the structure. And we have Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Let's just go through them top to bottom. I mean, Jeff Hardy and Elias will be fine. Actually quite enjoyed everything Elias did on Raw. I like the concept. Maybe a little bit too long. But Jeff Hardy being the guitarist, yeah, all good. Classic. Classic double. WWE Elias will win and then that feud will go on until you know 2059 because <laughs> that's just what WWE does moving on you've got Bailey versus Sasha Banks which personally I would have it main event the show but I don't think it will I think Roman and Jay will do that it's a difficult one because really our first match in the feud is the big blow-off match that's what a hell in a cell is meant to be but ever since we gave the name to the pay-per-view we've kind of lost track I don't know what you do I, I can see all three champions walking out of this one. If Sasha Banks wins out the gates and then Bailey chases, that doesn't make much sense to me from a narrative point of view. You want the good guy to chase, you want to get behind them, you want to will them to win. When she does that, I don't know. Maybe we are going to try and hold it off to WrestleMania and then Sasha finally gets hers. But then yeah, it's just so weird having it in a, in a cell match. I really don't know. I, I'm hoping that WWE has a cool plan with this, uh, especially after the, the, the bait and switch that we did... Um, on, on SmackDown, which I wasn't as disappointed as, as many were because I just assumed that's what WWE was going to do. They're now doing two contract signings, I think, as well. We did one last week, we're doing another this week because I don't think Bailey signed because she didn't like the fact she was called a coward. I think you really do have to keep it on Bailey. I think she has to extend it. I think she has to become a more arrogant prick than she already is. And then Sasha Banks wins it back probably next time around or the third time around the Rumble Mania, you know, depending on what you have in the tank. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, I've completely changed my mind on. 
I would have said that Randy Orton should probably win this. But now that AJ Styles has been moved across to Raw and he has that giant Jordan guy as his bodyguard, I think that's a much more entertaining WWE title match than giving it to Randy Orton and having Drew try to chase it back. It's almost like Randy probably should have won it at Clash of Champions if we were going to do it. But as we didn't and we have held off, it's probably better to double down on Drew. Again, because he has opponents now. I think before I was like, well, who can Drew McIntyre face? There's nobody out there. Uh, but now there is. And an AJ Styles-Drew McIntyre feud Drew McIntyre um, can seemingly work with anybody. And AJ has that wonderful, I don't know what you could, skill? I don't know what you'd call it. That wonderful talent, that wonderful aura, whatever. Like Eddie Guerrero used to have it. Where even if he's fighting someone, triple his size, the way he works, the way he acts, the way he looks, the way he moves, I totally believe that he probably could win. Like, I still get people going, oh, you look so unrealistic. And yes, it does. But you need to know the characters and so on and so forth. So... I'd have Drew McIntyre win. It doesn't hurt Randy Orton. Randy Orton will be a star until the day he wants to retire. And, you know, Roman Reigns has to murder Jey Uso. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no two ways about it. You could probably do something where Jay refuses to say I quit and he's so bloodied and he's so beaten that, you know, that you almost get like a, not a no contest, but you get whatever. You can't have, you know, um, uh, Jimmy run down and do it again because we've done that. And then I get you can argue, well, sure, we have to have a third match because Jay Uso technically didn't, um, you know, fulfill the stipulation. I don't personally want to do that. I mean, Jay Uso went on a podcast recently and said during an interview that this was meant to be a one and done but everybody loved it so much they thought we can uh, we can eke this out which i totally agree with but i don't think you need to turn it into a three-month program i think roman you know i hate comparing the two but something i really enjoy about aew's world title feuds is that you leave the door open to return to it as and when uh, you want so for example you know mgf can get back in there at some point uh, Brody lee could probably get back in there at some point you don't always have to do the whole, we're just going to do match, 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 rematch, rematch, rematch. You don't have to do that. And I think you could probably come back to the Jey Uso thing, unless this whole having the bloodline as a feud, as a feud, as a, as a group, is in the back of their minds too. It would be quite tough, because you'd have to say like Jey Uso has become subservient to Roman Reigns. But maybe that's what you want. Maybe you have to use other characters around him to get this persona over. So, I mean, if put me on the spot as we have here. I'm going to say Bailey, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns all walk away with their championships. And yet Elias beats Jeff Hardy so that uh, that match can go on. Otherwise, I can't even think. Let me even type it in. Hell in a Cell 2020 predicted matches. When have you ever had to type that in? Ever. Oh, that's a YouTube video. I don't want to watch that. Oh, there you go. No, go away. <laughs> that's the last thing I wanted to do. See, in this article that I found is from like two weeks ago. So you can't you can't base you can't base anything on that. So much so much has changed. Um, apparently, Dominic Mysterio versus Murphy and Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee. Well, Braun Strowman versus Keith Lee, we're going to get, and that's a great way to segue into Raw. Something that, it doesn't drive me nuts because you can say and do whatever the hell you want on ups and downs this week there was more ups and downs but overall i gave the show a down and i stand by that and the reason i stand by that is because you know the bad bits were just absolutely redonkulous whereas the good when you actually go through it the good bits were fine it doesn't mean they were great nothing got golden up or anything like that but there were fine fine points like you know everything with at the end with randy Orton and drew mcintyre was stupid because we clearly didn't time the show properly and we just went off air but it's not the worst thing ever right it's really really not aj Styles was good when he came out with his bodyguard uh, again everything drew and randy does you know the, the the other promos throughout the thing lana versus oscar was inoffensive i didn't get mad at that uh, the elias constant fun for what it was new day sheamus or kofi sheamus just a good match uh, the Alley promo where he sort of got over Retribution was good. Firefly Funhouse, again, how can you get mad at it? It's just there. 
Um, it was the you know so there's a lot of things that we just talked about which were which were positive, but it's just everything else. Like why did Retribution have their asses whipped twice? Why didn't the Ali promo, um, Ali, sorry, I should say, open the show, if not this week, last week, to establish that this is a group we should be taken seriously? Because doing it the other way around, you're like, well, it's a Bray Wyatt syndrome. You're saying these things, but literally an hour ago, I saw you getting your asses whipped. And not only did they get their asses whipped by um, uh, the Hurt Business, which is fine. That's the feud, and maybe you want to push the Hurt Business more. It doesn't make any sense. But then Bray Wyatt comes back out and does it as well. And the stupid thing here is I like the Hurt Business and Bray Wyatt. I think they're great characters. I'm excited to see them on Raw. I think you can do a lot with them. But, I mean... Retribution are meant to be this group. These renegades are going to burn down the WWE. WWE is not going to know what hit them. And after they signed a contract and agreed to be drafted, they've done nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it's a shame because they actually have more purpose now than they did. You know, Mustafa Ali's promo was awesome. You know, marketing doesn't know what to do with me because of my name. All these people have seen the corruption and greed in WWE, not being used how they want. And you get some people going, well, they were used well down in NXT. It's not the point. They're bad guys. So it's meant to be that even if they were used rightly down in NXT, they don't think they were. And now they're going to launch this assault against world wrestling entertainment. But they haven't. All they've done is ripped up the ring and turned the lights on and off. Which is why it was so... I did, there's no, This is why the show got a down, right? There's just, there was no reason to do it. Do I think any more of the Hurt Business? No. Bray Wyatt lives in his own bubble world anyway. You can do whatever you want with him by this point. Well, no, you can't because you'll get an Eater of World situation. But he knows how to book himself, basically, because the character is so unique. Which we did later on with the Firefly Funhouse. I mean, I don't even think we're going into a feud with Bray Wyatt and, um, and Retribution. I don't think... Unless you're going to bring Maya Yim more into the conversation and then you feud her with Alexa Bliss. I really don't know. And I thought it was fun seeing Alexa Bliss in the Fly 5 Funhouse. Again, there's not even much you can take away from that because we didn't do anything. But uh, And this goes into the Keith Lee-Matt Riddle conversation as well. Now, actually, on paper, Matt Riddle is such a weird thing. Matt Riddle has actually won like nine matches out of 12 since he got called up to SmackDown. And yet, for some reason, it doesn't feel like he has. And I think that's the real issue. You can, you know, drag up any statistics that you want, but he's only been around, what, 12 weeks? And he just feels like another guy instantly. And that's a massive, massive problem. Of course it is. Like, he... I am not the biggest fan of Matt Riddle. And when I say that, I said, it doesn't mean that I don't think he's good or that I think he's crap or that I think he should be buried. I mean... I've talked about this before. I don't want to go over it too much. But some people really like Matt Riddle. Like he is their guy. I don't have that affinity with him. Doesn't mean... Again, I don't. I could understand somebody getting behind him, but I guess my guy's Rusev slash Miro. Some people say, someone I don't understand why you like him so much. And I totally get that. It's just an instinctual thing, and I really, really like him. But at the same time, <laughs> if you're going to call him up, and you're going to book him in a way that makes it feel like he loses all the time something has gone wrong why even call him up why even turn him into just another guy how is that going to benefit your product or trying to increase ratings and there's nothing wrong with losing to aj styles it's just the way that he lost you know matt riddle who is a legit fighter has been in mixed martial arts been in the ufc could pretty much whip everybody's ass in the entire company other than maybe brock lesnar but you could probably debate that given their age groups i know weight classes are a thing but so is father time and go look at the kurt angle brock lesnar stuff not saying matt riddle is as good as kurt angle i'm just saying if you wanted to make the argument what the argument you can't make is braun Strowman would beat matt riddle no he wouldn't no, he wouldn't. Braun Strowman would be murdered by Matt Riddle. If you know how to fight, you know how to use your weight, you can take big guys down so easily. I remember this happened to me when I first tried uh, wrestling training when I was uh, early 20s, so a good 10 years ago. And I was fighting this guy who was 
I was three times his size. And when he got me down, because he knew how to adjust his weight, I couldn't move. And that's probably on me too, but still, it can happen. But you can take all of this and apply it to Keith Lee. I don't get that. Now, I don't want to sit here and rag on Braun Strowman. I understand his upsides, but for me, over the last 12 months, especially because he was Universal Champion, something has gone awry with Braun Strowman, and I don't know what it is. I loved him when he was having that feud with Roman Reigns. I guess we just didn't pull the trigger. And now I've just kind of moved over to the other side, whatever that means. But for him to win after booting Keith Lee in the balls, it just did nothing for me. And Keith Lee is a guy that I think I did the maths the other day for a kayfabe news video. He has lost pretty much all of his matches. It's something like six losses, two draws, and three wins or something like that. I don't know. I know he beat Randy on a clash of champions, but because there was no follow-up, it hasn't really helped him. And I just do not understand why. Big guy in WWE should be so easy to book. Plus, he's all... He's kind of sophisticated with his promo style, isn't he? So that gives him the edge. It's not like he's just stereotypical big man. And he's just got a way about him. Like, I, I say this all the time. I missed the boat on Keith Lee at first. And he had a match at Defiant. And I watched from the, uh, the rafters. And he was so good, I felt like a numpty for not knowing about him more. Then I went and caught up on all of his work. I was like, this guy is going to get to the top. And surprise, surprise that he did. But we don't seem to be embracing any of his unique characteristics. And while he did boot Braun in the balls, and he had that cool moment where he's like, you know, well, you shouldn't upset a tiger or whatever the hell he said it's still it's still out loud audible i went oh <laughs> and the only ever time i've done that in recent memory was at hell in a cell 2019 when i felt like we had an easy out with everything with bray wyatt and instead we did all that nonsense with seth rollins and yeah i said an expletive i face palmed and then got excited about doing ups and downs so I just don't know what we do now. We'll probably do that match again at the pay-per-view and then Keith Lee will win and then Braun Strowman will win and then Keith Lee will win and Braun Strowman will win. It'll be like a tennis match and then when they eventually go off in their own directions, they will be in exactly the same place that they are. To me, Braun Strowman, given that he tag-teamed with a kid and given that he should have won some of those Roman Reigns matches, especially the one in the Elimination Chamber, was it? I think it was, and we didn't do it. You missed the boat. Don't now do the same with Keith Lee. If you want to rev Braun Strowman up again, put him with someone else to get him in that position. But don't use any magic Keith has. I didn't get it. And I, I'm probably being a little bit too anal about it, which is probably fair. But that's how I felt when I watched it. It doesn't mean it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. It just confused me. And it's why I got so annoyed, as many people told me after ups and downs. I do appreciate the engagement. And they were like, Miller, you get way too annoyed about the brand split. You're right. But it's got to the point now where if you don't want to do it, just don't do it. We don't need the brand split anymore if you really want to get rid of it because we don't have it anyway. Which is why when Otis turned up on Raw four days or whatever it was, three days, after we just said, that's it, the, the, the battle lines are drawn. I'm like, how can you? And especially if now we move into Survivor Series, we do Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. But like, absolute bullcrap. <laughs> You're just making this crap up. Now... The get-out-of-jail-free card was the fact they gave this to Otis, who came out as El Gran Gordo and cut the stupidest promo I'd ever heard in my life. I was laughing so hard. That guy is just great. He is sports entertainment personified. I said it once and I'll say it again. If you don't like him, I get it. You're never going to like him because he's an acquired taste. I get such a kick out of him. And as much as I couldn't believe we were doing this, oh, man, he had me rolling. He had me rolling in the aisle. So fair play to that guy. He's... I'd give him a championship shot at some point. I don't think he can beat Roman Reigns because I don't think it works right now, all things considered. But I would not take that briefcase off him. I'd ensure that he got a decent match and I'd figure out a way to ensure that it took him to the next level. I love him and I look forward to seeing him. And he has proven now that you can give him anything 
and uh, and he'll make it work. And then they beat Miz and Morrison in a in a tag team match. I don't really get what the plan with Miz and Morrison is right now. I also don't get that if you wanted to carry on this um uh, what do you call it lawsuit storyline. <laughs> just don't move them on the same brand. <laughs> Keep them on the same show. Sometimes I swear they make things so hard for themselves, but I don't know. It's really strange because Raw is in such a crazy position where I never know what they're going to do, including the Hurt Business just beating up the Titus O'Neil because why not? To SmackDown, I think being a really well put together show, I loved everything with Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins, Murphy and the Mysterios. Again, Roman Reigns is my favorite character right now. Uh, Biggie, I'm excited about. Sheamus, I thought has been doing a good job on both brands. Just underrated Sheamus, always is. But uh, Lars Sullivan, I don't like. I've, I've, I've made no bones about that. He just, I don't get the character. I don't really get that excited. In fact, he was another guy when he came out, went, ugh, when he came out at the start of SmackDown. And then, you know, true or not, I think there's enough evidence out there to make me believe everything that's been said. And that does rub me the wrong way. Like, I'm just a human being. And I don't like to judge people, but, and I'm all about forgiveness. But when you've said sorry once and then more stuff comes out, it's just a bit like, man, I don't think this guy gets it. And they are in privileged positions. It doesn't mean anything, but... I can just support somebody more that gets into a, a role like that and then actually, like I say, appreciates it. It makes me like them more. It just does. All the stuff with the women's tag team division, I don't get at all either. I mean, we made a new tag team between Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke that has proven that that was a bad idea. Peyton Royce left one tag team to now be in a tag team with Lacey Evans. <laughs> Poor Billy Kay. She must be banging her head against the wall. And then... Nia Jax and Shayna beat them all anyway. I know it was a four-way, so they only physically pinned one people, but they all still lost. That still counts as a loss in the, the fictional WWE uh, record book. It's so weird because the tag team division, like, I get them making new tag teams. I'm not even that mad at Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose being a team, but it's give them a reason. Like Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce teamed together. Lacey Evans tried to steal the spotlight and then Peyton Royce was pissed off. Shouldn't, have this, shouldn't this have been the seeds that were planted on Raw, and then they get together in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. They may go, Miller, nobody wants to wait that long. Well, tough. You have to let these things play out. When you just throw two people together, why would I care? There's no reason for me to care, right? If you did a, a, a title match of, man, this doesn't really count because people do, well, I guess it counts. You know, Zelina Vega just going up to Oscar, guy, want a match. Okay, good. I'm like, well, I don't care. Because it just happened, which is probably why the Lana match wasn't as bad. At least we had a one-week build. She wins a battle royal and then, you know, loses in a two-minute effort. But again, then the problem with that is the fallout is like, what did we do that for? <laughs> what worth was there in that battle royal? I also think we need to stop throwing her through tables. It was funny last week because they did that thing where they did one too many, but then they did one too too many, and now it kind of went back the other way. It does. It just feels a little bit vindictive. I'm not saying that it is. But it feels that way, and then people on the internet will talk about it in that sense, and all of a sudden I'm like, it's vindictive, it's vindictive, but, you know. Enjoy Dynamite last week as well. I'm just going to get the card up for, for tonight's show, if I can find it, which I never, which I never, never can. I did find it. Good work, Simon. I thought, you know, given it was the anniversary show, I understand that there was, um, uh, what do you call it? <sighs> Maybe higher expectations than what was delivered. Maybe that's a little bit harsh too. Maybe we raise, it's like the England football team over here. Everybody raises their expectation for the England football team. And then the England football team does what they always do and everyone's disappointed. It's like, what were you expecting? But I thought it was a decent show. I'm intrigued to see what they do with MGF and Chris Jericho later. Uh, that segment didn't hit with me and usually those two always do, but I bet they make it up later. It's just one of those things. You know, when you've got 52 weeks of programming, you can't smash every single one out of the park. But tonight's show... I think will be great because, of course, AEW has decided 
to do the whole first round of the world title eliminated tournament. Pretty sure they said that. So you're going to get Pentarel Zero versus Ray Phoenix. I mean, how can that not be good? You can never guarantee anything in this life. But that's one that if you like that type of wrestling, I think is going to blow your brain. You're also going to get Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. They've had a couple of matches in AEW, both of which have been um, pretty good. Colt Cabana versus Hangman Page. I really like Colt Cabana, and Hangman Page obviously is a star in the making. So I'm actually quite invested in that, especially because the Dark Order could get involved. They want to recruit Hangman Page, don't forget. And Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, has. there's no reason to doubt it. Wardlow has done exactly what he's needed to do anytime he's called upon. And Jungle Boy, for, you know, the type of wrestler that he is, that sounds way more negative than I mean it to. I don't mean that. But you, my point is, you know what you're going to get, and what you're going to get is going to be great. I think, I don't know what the brackets are. I don't have them up. But the way that they are, I'm looking at them now. I'm going to guess it's going to be Phoenix versus Hangman and Omega probably versus Jungle Boy. Because I think Kenny Omega is about to go super bad, guys. If he whips Jungle Boy's ass in a specific way, I think you double down on that. And then, of course, at um, is Full Gear the next pay-per-view? I get confused with their pay-per-views. I think Full Gear is the next one. Uh, you you got to do Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. It's the match everybody wants. There's nothing wrong with doing obvious storylines when they make so much sense. Kenny Omega should win. Kenny Omega should dethrone John Moxley. And then you should re rebuild up Hangman for whenever he's ready to be the guy that takes the belt off Omega. And then that's some badass, long-ass storytelling. We'll also get everything between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Yeah, not a match I was expecting to do round two, but, you know... Eddie Kingston could sell me a pen when all I needed was a pencil. <laughs> so I'm not too mad about that. Also have the number one contender four-way tag team match, which again, if you know AEW, it's going to be good. Young Bucks versus Private Party versus Dark Order versus The Butcher and The Blade. I think at this stage, we should just have the Young Bucks win and do FTR versus The Bucks. It's what people have wanted for ages anyway. I don't really feel like the build is anything to write home about. Again, the tag team division, I've kind of lost sync with it recently, which is just on me. doesn't mean it's bad, just a personal preference. But a great way to get back into that is to have the Bucks and them go at it. Although, who's the faces and the heels? I don't know. Because Matt and Nick Jackson have been right pick pricks recently. But that will be such a good four-way match. If it's not, it will be a disappointing. And I love Reynolds and, um, and John Silver, the Dark Order guys. I really do. We're going to be doing something with Britt Baker. We've already talked about Ladina Debonair, as they're calling it. I think it will be good. Good. I think they'll make sure it's good. And there's probably some... I mean, Cody's got to do something. I presume some kind of um, face-off with Darby Allen. Orange Cassidy may be involved. Uh, I think um, Steve-O <laughs> from Jackass has filmed somewhat of a video with Darby Allen. I was a bit... This makes me sound like such an old man, but it's true. When I saw that... Um, uh, Steve-O was on the show. I was like, oh no. But then I figured out, it was just, found out it was just a backstage video. And I was like, that's fine. That's fine. You can do backstage videos for days for with people like that in it. It's just when, like we did the, um, uh, the Billy Mitchell one. I mean, what did that tie into? Absolutely nothing. But it always feels less, offensive is the wrong word, but it always feels less um, like it's a big deal when you do it that way. So yeah, I think it'd be a really, really good show. And again, I can't find anything for NXT. I mean, I'll, I'll double check because I don't want to be that guy. I do watch both shows. I do think both shows are really, really good. Um, but this, yeah, I, I can't I can't find anything for... I think we've got the Undisputed Era versus... We do, yes. We have the Undisputed Era versus the Fashion Police for the tag titles, which will be good. I haven't seen anything else come out. And if I'm wrong, you'll just have to shout at the... Um, <laughs> shout, at the shout at your audio device. Uh, let's do Bound for Glory before we get into some predictions. No, into some questions. We've done the predictions. 
I think Impact is a really easy to watch show. There are some things on there that go over my head, like the wedding and bringing back James Mitchell from the dead. But I do appreciate the fact that Impact never, they never shy away from it. If that's what they're going to do, that's what they do. And like it or hate it, it's a very easy show to watch. Um, I think the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match will be fun. It's all, you know, you have the storyline as well that if Heath or Rhino wins, Heath gets a contract. But if they lose, Rhino's out the door. That will be awesome. Hernandez is going to be in at number 20 because he won that match and Rhino's going to be at number one. Oh no, Rhino's going to lose his contract. I think Heath and Rhino will probably win that. Maybe there's more story if they don't, but I think you want somewhat of a happy ending. Who even knows? Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock with Sammy Callahan. I think Eddie Edwards will win because Ken Shamrock's going to beat the hell out of Sammy Callahan. He's C3 versus Moose. I have absolutely no idea. It's the strangest feud. It almost feels like you're not watching Impact Wrestling when that happens, but they have put a lot of time into it. So much like the wedding. That and the wedding, you tell me. I don't know. We're going to see a man get resurrected. James Mitchell. There's going to be a lot of Gaga on that show, but again, at least they buy into it. Uh, I'm really excited about the six-way scramble match. The X Division Championship. Rohit Raju versus Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. Look, I'd have Jordan Grace with it, and then I'd have the Tanil Dashwood feud continue with that belt on the line. I think it's different. I think it's fun. Uh, their women's division is stacked, so why the hell not? The four-way tag team match for the Impact Championship, the tag team championship, I cannot wait for. Pfft, I mean, you know, the Motor Street Machine Guns versus the Good Brothers versus the North versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. You should probably give it to Gallows and Anderson. You bought them in on big contracts. They are money players, as they will tell you too. Uh, Dorena Bratzo versus Kylie Ray. I'd keep it on Parazzo. I think something's going to happen with Susie here. So I do think you have a get-out-of-jail-free card. But yeah, I'd, I'd continue the feud by, by adding that into it. And then Eric Young versus Ritz Swan is such a good main event because, again, you can go either way. Eric Young has only technically just won it. Rich Swan absolutely deserves to win it. But maybe you can actually get more sympathy for Rich Swan if he doesn't win it here. So I'm quite excited about this. I think Eric Young has completely refound himself. Rich Swan is just such a an easy-to-love babyface. So, um, yeah, I think Bound for Glory will be, will be really, really good. I think Hell in a Cell would probably be all right to a to a certain degree. And then, of course, uh, you know, you've got uh, the UFC show as well, should you wish to ask that. Uh, got some questions that we will go through as well to, uh, I say, finish off the show. We've still got a, a good chunk to go, but I'll say finish off the show anyway. It doesn't really, really count. Start with Jesse, who says, Simon, I'm not sure if this is allowed. Interesting. But with all this downtime, two of your biggest fans have been trained... Oh. We start with James, who says, "Where you honestly?" Start with James, who says, "How do you honestly get the patience to sit through all three hours of Raw every week?" I get that it's your job, uh, but I find it much easier that I'm falling my. Start with James, who says, "Where do you get the patience to sit through all three hours of Raw every week?" I know that it's your job, and that makes it easier, but I am finding myself out of love with WWE. And we'll also tie that to Tyler, who says, love that you put this up here. Why is Raw so bad? I've decided it stands for really awful, <laughs> awful wrestling. I can pretty much say the only thing I've enjoyed on that show was Elias singing. Keith Lee is lost, and it's the same with Braun. Um, so, look, I'm very lucky to do what I do. I know I go on about this all the time, but it's still uh, it's still true. Uh, it's I, look, Everyone says, Simon, would you be watching wrestling still if you weren't doing ups and downs? And the answer is yes. I like wrestling, and I don't think I take it as seriously as some people. But more importantly than that, I am very lucky, and I'm very, very blessed that when after I've watched a few hours of professional wrestling or 
whatever, I get to not only take the mick out of it, I not only get to have some fun with it, but I get to share it with an audience who will give me that instant feedback because that's how YouTube works. When you are doing that, not only does it make the whole um, uh, scenario very gratifying, but I also make sure that I always keep my feet on the ground to the point where if you had told me this was going to be my job when I was 13, I wouldn't have believed you. It's not a job. You know, I, I understand how lucky that I am. And therefore, being able to watch three hours of wrestling, especially the last 60 minutes, which, yes, in Raw can be very, very trying. I never, uh, I guess sometimes it does get to me like any kind of job would, but I always try and, uh, like I say, remember how how cool it is. And it doesn't mean that I don't get burned out. I really do. There was a time a few months ago, and it was just so many pay-per-views. And, you know, I think I watched two in a day. What was it? NXT and AEW had clashing pay-per-views or something. Or there was an AEW Dynamite right on the same night as an NXT pay-per-view. And I remember on that Sunday, I was like, I don't need to watch wrestling for a while. And then two days later, I was watching Raw. But again, you know, some people... I don't, I don't know what a good or bad job is for you know i'm about to say you may work in a bank but you may love working in a bank i don't know everybody's different so yeah that's that's how it's so quote unquote easy and i do watch every single minute some people think i watch it on 2 2.0 speed or 1.5 speed or that you just go read other people's opinions no i've never watched it sped up uh, sometimes do i go and canvas other opinions just because i'm intrigued to see how they compare to mine yes but i never let that eke into my own opinion because what's the point there's no point watching ups and downs if it's somebody else's opinion that's the whole arc of the show so and as for raw i just don't think they have a long-term plan i think they need a long-term plan yesterday i think they need to just look over to see what they're doing with smackdown to prove that it works i think they need to be more patient it's a very, 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 very weird show. And my man Dan, and this was posted yesterday, of course, is I'm pretty excited to, for tonight's Dark, which I haven't caught up on. They've been doing such a great job with the build for Avalon and Cutler, which I do agree with. Any guesses as to who takes it? Or do you think that even with the no countouts or no DQ stipulation that they'll both still end up losing? Well, that would have been my guess. And I actually haven't looked this morning because I was doing Impact. So let us find the AEW Dark results here. And let's see what they did. I mean, Sean Spears defeated Christopher Daniels. I bet that was a really good uh, a really good match. And Luchasaurus was on the show. And Penta was on the show. I need to watch this. And Jungle Boy. Man, Dark's a good show these days. It was always good, to be honest. Um, where is this match? Why can't I find it? Well, it wasn't the main event, which seems bizarre to me. Why the hell wasn't it the main event? Is it next week they're doing it and not this week? Have I jumped the gun? Because I can't see it as I go through. And it's going to get really boring with me, with me just looking and saying things out loud. I must be next week. Oh, that's good. In that case, I should have sworn they said it was last night. There you go. You see, I get lost up in it. I think they'll find it. Well, it depends how long you think you can keep the joke going. If you think you can find a way to do a no contest and make it funny, you should. If you want to draw a line under it, you could do that too. I'm going to say they keep it going. I hope so anyway. I like those two. I think they're really funny. I think Peter Avalon completely gets it, as does, um, uh, 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 what's his name, Cutler. They're both great. They're both really good. And that's why Dark is some, such a good show. And that's why I'm excited for whatever the other show that AEW has in the tank. Uh, whenever that's going to go live probably would have gone live a lot of people have said that if it wasn't for the pandemic but hey we have a pandemic and maybe we'll get to see more of those guys featured i know dark still counts as being featured but i'm always for people being featured more but yeah just a lot of fun don't have to take it seriously and that's why i'm glad that dark exists just a free youtube show where you can sort of play a little bit hard and fast with the rules but it's pro wrestling and tying it back into impact. Not everyone's going to enjoy it, but you should do it all the same. Matthew Pritchard says, in amongst the negativity, what's been the most positive thing about wrestling this year? 
the cinematic matches. I think when we look back on them now, I thought they were really, really fun. They were really, really exciting. Plus, you know, AEW's gone from strength to strength. Roman Reigns has finally become the character we always wanted him to be. Oh, that meant Otis. He won Money in the Bank. That was pretty good. That probably wouldn't have happened if we had fans through the door. There'll be loads of stuff too that I'm not thinking about. But there's it, 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 look, there is no silver lining to any of this. This year has been absolutely nuts. And I still find myself thinking about it just trying to contemplate what the hell happened. It's like we fell into a horror movie from nowhere. Whether it was right or wrong for wrestling to continue again is another debate to have, but at least it gave us a distraction. And I think that's a positive within itself, even though, you know, the numerous COVID outbreaks didn't help, didn't help anybody. We were actually, uh, actually, well, just bad all around. But there's, still, there's been good bits within it. And even WrestleMania, all things considered, you know, that was when it was all hitting. It wasn't so bad. I mean, I can't watch it ever again. Because watching um, shows with zero fans now is like being in a funeral parlor, given that we have come up with um, ways to, to to present it in the pandemic era, which is what it was always be. I saw an interview with John Mox the other day that said no one's going to look back on this era like, oh, man, do you remember that cool time with no fans? I was like, he's right. He is right. Dan Learhoff says, since WWE added the network and most people are only paying $10 a month instead of $60 for pay-per-views. Do you think the creative drive or internal stress to make the pay-per-view shows worth it has suffered? Yes, I do. And, you know, from a consumer point of view, I love it because it's $10 a month and I can afford that. But from, if I put my business hat on, I think they should have kept Survivor Series, Raw Rumble, WrestleMania, and SummerSlam off the network, kept it on pay-per-view to try and, you know, obviously it would have been better for them revenue-wise, not that I care about that, but more importantly, it would have put them in a place where they had to build pay-per-views like they used to use, build pay-per-views and treat those four shows like a massive deal. And I often find now that if we watch a Clash of the Champions or a Hell in a Cell or whatever, they're actually trying to make you watch the TV because that's where the money is. And they are, a, again, they're a money-driven company. So yeah, I do agree with that. And while it would suck having to pay, what, 50, 60, 70 bucks for WrestleMania or whatever the hell it used to be, if it was going to result in a better show, maybe not WrestleMania. I think WrestleMania, they always do quite well. Raw Rumble, similarly. But Survivor Series and SummerSlam feel like lesser events than they used to be. And I do think moving away from pay-per-view has been a massive reason for that. And it sucks. Simple as that. Thomas Speller says, where does Brody go now? Good question. Wasn't on the show last week. I think he'll be there later. And I think he'll show his face. I don't know is my answer, but I still love him. Borendor says, possibility of a feud between Randy and Bray. And if yes, for the title or not. Hints are there. Last episode of The Fun House. And Randy is one of the few characters The Fiend didn't feud with until now uh, that stopped the old Bray back in the day. I would do it without the title. Uh, I think we've all established that The Fiend in title championship programs does not work and puts you in an unenviable position. But I think that's good. I put Drew with Randy. I uh, drew with AJ. I put Randy with The Fiend. I tie into all of that. Absolutely. I think that works wonders. And you may be able to have a new take on The Fiend because he could potentially be the babyface and Randy could potentially be the heel. I think that's quite exciting. Ben says, what non-world title feud from the Attitude Era did you enjoy? I enjoyed anything with D'Lo Brown. Guy was a legend. Thanks for the awesome podcast. Thanks for listening, Ben. D'Lo Brown would absolutely always get a mention from me. I like the chest protector, which I now know nobody else did, but hey-ho, I did. Otherwise, oh, man, see, nothing's going to come to mind, even though there's going to be a thousand things. I mean, non-world title feud. You know, the, Rock and, the Rock and Stone Cold was before the Attitude Era, really. It depends when you think the Attitude Era begun. I would put them in there for the IC title when... Who threw it over? The, the Rock threw it in the water first, didn't he? I loved all of that. Oh, man, see... Now I'm desperately trying to think of things, but there will be a lot. I suppose non-world title feuds, anything with TLC or Tables or Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, the Hardy Boys, you know, I think we all we all got into those. 
and really sort of the the undercard with guys like Jericho and Eddie Guerrero and that was a little bit later on because it was the year 2000 but you know anything like that which was which was built properly problem is my mind now is just going to the rock and stone cold and Mick Foley <laughs> All those three. But there was a lot of good stuff, yes. But shout out to D'Lo Brown. Carol says, Do you think WWE would involve NXT and Survivor Series this year as they played a part last year? Not that it was ever acknowledged ever again. Well, I'm hoping we don't do brand versus brand versus brand because the brand split has been absolutely stupid. If we do, yes, they will. Um, does that help anybody? Probably not. Was NXT on TV last year? Yeah, of course it was. That's why they did it, right? That's when they got that little bit of a boost. They probably will. They always go back to it, and I just don't think it's going to be very good. Uh, Ruger says, do you think the Retribution arrived in the best way possible to sell them as a viable stable? No. Should have done something crazy. Should have injured a guy. Should have, I don't know, just something more intense and something more brutal than just playing with the light switches. I think that was the issue. They didn't come up, come up with um, or come in with enough of a bang to make you go, holy crap, who are these guys? And that's what they needed to do. Like the Nexus, right? The Nexus, when they were basically killing people ringside, had far more of a reaction than these guys. And I don't think that's, you know, nine years on or whatever it is. We should have just repeated that. We've kind of done the same thing again. Although this one, in many ways, was worse. <laughs> Mike Mad Dog Anger says, what's your favorite Fool's Count Anywhere match? Well, straight away, I go to Google and type in best Fool's Count Anywhere matches because I'm not going to remember that. Does anybody have a list that I can just steal? This seems to have a list. Let me click this one. Oh no, that's a, that's the word. That's the worst list I've ever seen in my <laughs> in my entire life. Um, Reddit's got something. Let's see if they list it and see if any come to mind. No, none of these come to mind. Correction: Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. I did enjoy massively, as I enjoyed Ambrose versus Rollins in 2014. I'm gonna say my match. I'm joking. I had a false count somewhere match. We talked about that last week. I'd have to really sit down. I'd have to go and rewatch them. None come to the top of my head, which probably sucks. Ryan, when do you think is the best time for the New Day to all reunite? Amazing, Ryan. They've already broke up. You want them back together. A year, two years down the line, depending what happens. And hopefully they come back together as Big E being an established single star and Kofi and Xavier being higher than they are now. I know they never wanted to fall out, but I do think there's an angle that would shock and you know garner a lot of attention. If Big E does become this huge star and Xavier Woods... Preferably Xavier Woods, because I think he could pull it off better than Kofi, because Kofi's just so damn lovable. But maybe Xavier, out of jealousy or whatever, you know, starts a feud with him. I think you could do a Roman Reigns, Jey Uso thing with that, and it would work really, really well. Uh, Mitsu J says, here's my question, but it's more of a question for you. In your opinion, so far, what do you feel was your best match? Dude, you know, no one's ever asked me that. Ever. Man, that's a really, really good question, because I don't know. I mean, my fifth match I ever had, my fourth match I ever had, was against Nathan Cruz. And that one always stands out to me because he carried me, like the schlub that I am, to a... You know, it wasn't... For him, it was like nothing. But for me, it was... Well, I guess it proved to me that I can be carried and that with the right help, I can be, you know, dragged to a passable match. So, yeah, Nathan Cruz absolutely smashed it. Otherwise, matches that I really, really enjoyed. The problem is I'm so critical of myself. That's the thing. I fought a guy called Bronson once. I really liked that match in the sense of how I felt afterwards. But watching it back, it could have been better. And I've had quite a few matches with a guy called Bullet, who I enjoy working with because he's so damn selfless. He doesn't have to be. He looks like he could kick your ass, but he's so damn selfless. And that makes it so much fun to put together. I will be forgetting loads of matches. Yeston Reese, I had, I had matches with him. Uh, he was awesome too. I'm so going to be forgetting something. But um, to me, I think they're all kind of my favorite matches because I can't even believe I get to sit here and talk about having wrestling matches. 
<laughs> I really miss having wrestling matches. Tea drinker. I hope you're having some tea right now. Uh, what do you think? What do you want to see from Retribution despite their loss on Monday? Or do you think they have a chance to rectify that loss? And do you see a direction with it? That's an interesting point. I mean, I guess my worry is, does WWE want to do that? Because why else would you put that in that position? Although they did get Ali to cut that promo, which is really good. Ali. Why can't we call Ali? What I would like to see with it is kind of shift gears now. Stop being about trying to destroy WWE because you're not going to do that. You had your chance and you decided to sign up with them. So maybe have it become personal beef. So, I mean, how you do that, I don't know. But you maybe you don't even have them fight in group man tag matches. Maybe Ali should... Um, flipping heck, I can't say his name. Maybe he should go out on his own, backed up by some cronies. It's a good question, man. And actually, no... I don't know because it's become so muddied. I don't know how you get out of this now and how you kind of reverse. I hope they do, though. I like Mustafa Ali a lot. He's so good and he deserves better than to be in some stupid group if they're not going to push it. But I do like Retribution. I do. I just don't like the booking. Um, did I? I think I may have just read that question twice. That's how tired I am today. Anyway, you got it twice. Greg Swanson says, What is the greatest ladders match? As bonkers as the tag team triple threat was, it's got to be HBK versus Razor Ramon, number one. It's another match I need to think about at the top of my head, and I will be forgetting something, and that will be really annoying. I mean, yeah, TLC from 2017, but that's technically a tables, ladders, and chair match. Or was it? I can't remember now. Right, we've got your w, uh, greatest... We've done it once. We'll do it again. Why not, right? Um, just running through. I did. It's not good in terms of what they've become. But I always was very invested in The Rock versus Triple H from SummerSlam 1998. That just came up. I always thought that was good. I really, really did. Like, It's probably because it was one of the first ladder matches I saw, which is always going to help. You know, when you're the first, you're the best. But yeah, I, I, I always dug that. And... Um, if we're staying away from the crate, there weren't TLC matches, but if we're staying away from those, yes, you have to put Shawn Michaels versus Razor in there. I really like Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker in their ladder match, but that's only because they made me actually believe that Jeff Hardy was going to was going to win. And I was never a big Jeff Hardy guy. That's too hard. It's just too many. I'd have to sit down and really think about it. But nothing. There's so many. I will say this: WWE rarely does a bad ladders match, right? Ever. Geek swag. Favorite ring attire as far as superstars and single and favorite singlet ever. Anything the Macho Man Randy Savage wore. That guy knew how to get your intention. Love it. S. A. Cosby. What's your current favorite finisher? RKO would be up there. I like the Claymore. Um, Stunner. I know it doesn't really work for Kevin Owens, but I love seeing it. One Winged Angel's good because it's protected. And I like the Rainmaker too. Because again, getting a short arm clothesline over is not easy. But he does. And now he's getting the sleeper over too. Good old Okada. Um, <laughs> Joey says, favorite ma ha uh, match from Halloween Havoc 1998. Amazingly, we already discussed it. Who knew? Chris Butters. Who would be the best signing from Impact AEW for WWE? Well, it all depends about how they were going to use them. I think if they got Kenny Omega and put him in wwe and you pushed him like kenny omega should be pushed i think he would be a megastar i just do i think he is relatable i think he has an ear to the ground when it comes to what people like and what people don't like you know even his time with video games it makes him very relatable it just does so i think it would probably be him especially because cody would be up there but he's already been in wwe so you already have a certain narrative there whereas kenny omega is going to make the news and the headlines and then if you you know you, you do it right he would make a difference i really like kenny omega i don't pretend otherwise i don't think you fall into the position that he is in i think he's got there because he kicks ass 
Uh, Lane says, Howdy, Simon. What matches are you looking forward to at Impact's Bound for Glory pay-per-view? Well, we discussed it earlier. Definitely the four-way tag match, uh, the six-way X-Division match, and the main event. Rich One versus Eric Young are the ones that come to mind. But also the Deanna Prazzo versus Kylie Ray. I think that's going to be excellent too. Steve says, one of the biggest inconsistencies in wrestling, well, right now it's referees and decisions. Like as much as I like Impact last night, I can't get over this thing that when tag team, you know, tag teams now fight in the ring, which we've, they've been doing since the dawn of time, all of a sudden we, it becomes no contests. We've never done that. So it makes absolutely no sense. So that kind of drives me nuts. Otherwise, wrestling is just full of inconsistencies if you actually um, if you actually delve into it. Uh, Raw Observer says, did you find time to catch any of the G1? I didn't this year, which doesn't make any sense because all other years I have and the year when we're basically locked in our houses, I didn't get to see any of it. But what I've done is I've done what I usually do I usually do it a lot sooner, is I've made my little uh, Excel document with the matches that I want to see based on opinions, and I'll probably watch a good six, seven, eight of them this weekend. Guess what I do? Because I'm a massive idiot. Chris Allen says, Simon, in your pro wrestling arsenal, do you utilize any submission maneuvers? And if so, which one is your favorite? Yeah, I do the torture rack. Because everyone's always going after legs on the mat on the floor. And I'm like, I haven't seen a torture rack in British wrestling for ages. So not only do I do a torture rack, but sometimes I get them in the torture rack. And then if they don't um, submit, I kind of turn it into an end of days like move. I love that move. Oh, man, wrestling is the best. Uh, Logoff15 says, where do you think they're going with the TNT title? I think it's clear they're going to give it to someone young to get them over, but I don't know who. When do you think Cody will completely turn? Well, I don't know if he is or isn't, but, you know, speculating fantasy booking, I think that's probably what you do. Cody beats all of the young guys by uh, via sort of, you know, annoying means, and then eventually somebody wins it off him. Cody can't handle it. Turn heel. Big program with someone like Darby Allen, and away we go. But there's lots of things you can do with it. I do not mind the TNT title being defended or changed a lot on television because it's a television title. I kind of think like, and it's good that we're equating it with the AEW world title because it means it means something to us. But you have to have those two differences between both championships because, you know, that, that way they have a worth. Like the whole reason the TV title got invented is because the world title would never be defended on TV. But as TV got more and more important, you had to do it here and there. So bringing back that kind of old school feel, but mixing it with a new vibe makes all the sense in the world to me. Uh, Starblade says, who do you think will become AEW world champion first? Darby Allen or Jungle Boy? I think Darby Allen, just because he's got more experience and Jungle Boy's got, you don't have to rush Jungle Boy. He's going to be fine. Lace says, from your experience, what is the easiest move to get wrong that can lead to a severe injury? The simple ones. <laughs> Always. If you're doing like, well, anything off the ropes too, but I don't usually do that. But anything I've ever been hurt off, well, I got hurt off a lariat, which is the simplest move ever. I jarred my shoulder once after taking a body slam because I fell in the wrong way. It's always the simplest things, mostly because when you're doing the big things, I suppose you're really concentrating and you're really thinking. The one uh, aspect of wrestling that I really learned very quickly is you just have to throw yourself into everything and you just have to be as relaxed and calm as you can. Otherwise, your body is going to be tight and you're going to get injured. As soon as, like even when... Sometimes you're worried about taking a bump. If you actually just take the bump at full force and like you would do if you didn't have a care in the world, it doesn't hurt. But when you hesitate, it hurts like hell. So, you know, it, it's those ones that are the worst, like getting out of bed injuries. Uh, FM Actar says, if you had a time machine, which event in the 90s would you want to go and see live? That's a great question. Top ones, WrestleMania 13, Canadian Stampede 97, or when Goldberg won the title in the Georgia Dome. Or when Mick Foley won it on in that January. Just because of the crowd reactions. I think it would have been... Or Stone Cold at his peak. 
So probably with Mick Foley winning the title, because when Stone Cold comes out, that is one of the biggest pops I've ever heard in my life. Wouldn't it be great? It really, really would, wouldn't it? Um, Yassine says, what is the most devastating move in all of professional wrestling? You know this, the surprise roll-up. Greg says, if Finn Balor's injury prevents him from defending the title, what should NXT do? I wouldn't have them relinquish it so soon, especially after carrying Cross. I mean, it depends how long he's going to be out. If he's going to be out six months, you can't... I think you have to take the belt off him. You can't not have your world title defended. But I do know what you mean. But look, it's just bad timing. It's like when people score in the 91st minute of a football match. Oh, that's not fair. Yes, it is. It's, a, you know, that's, it's part of the game. It's part of the legal time. And if you have to, if you have to take him off him, it would suck. Because obviously Finn Balor's um, luck with that has been terrible. But we'll all forget about it. We'll all move on. And maybe you can do something with carrying Cross and Finn Balor when they come back. Domino says, if you could pluck one heel and one baby face from the late 80s, early 90s and use them in today's product to increase ratings and get over in front of the audience, who would you choose? Late eight, well, Hulk Hogan, I suppose. I mean, I know you say the current audience, but, you know, even in the late 80s, you, you can see. I know that he, he did have a, 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 a what do you call it? people against him as everybody at the top of the card does but you would still see men in their 50s going nuts for hulk hogan they did exist so i think maybe not in terms of work rate but i think hulk hogan even without all that in-ring stuff would find a way to get over so maybe outside of that macho man randy savage because he could work he could wrestle he could talk he was flamboyant he was over the top one of those two i don't think it would be massively different i know we're living in a different world and i'm not saying other people wouldn't have found a bigger footing but those two guys just had something, regardless of what we think about them in 2020. Jeff Hall, why is Rick Martel not in the WWE Hall of Fame? Good question. He should be with his arrogant spray. Uh, King Freak says, why did you lie saying Goldberg is your dad? Are you embarrassed of your dad, Braun? Well, that's just weird all around. I mean, the Goldberg thing is a joke, and I don't want to be the son of Braun Strowman. That would be really weird in terms of, uh, in terms of timings. Um, Solid 5 says, when are you debuting at AEW when all my dreams come true? Big Boo says, what storyline that was dropped super early would you have liked to have seen continue to the end, and where would it, would it have ended? Oh, man. I mean, the lockbox is the one that always comes to my mind, because... I don't know how I would want it to end it, but it would have justified the Undertaker, Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon stuff so much. And instead, there's just a lockbox somewhere. What's it got in it? Pictures? Like some kind of incriminating evidence? You don't know. I have a lot of non-wrestling fans ask me about that because they usually get into things over WrestleMania season. And I'm like, did you ever find out? I'm like, no, because they tune out after that. I'm like, no, just don't worry about it. Classic wrestling. That's why I couldn't believe they revealed the hacker. <laughs> I was like, I actually did it. I actually did it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. He hacked people on SmackDown, now he's on Raw, but man, I'll take what I can get. Chris Hyde says, who do you think The Fiend will face at WrestleMania? Love ups and downs, all hell Roman. That's very nice, Chris. Poof. I get I just no idea when it comes to WrestleMania. Like, literally none. I can't come up with anything because so much has already changed. Look at last year, right? We already talked about it. Goldberg, Roman, we didn't get that at all. <sighs> who the hell would The Fiend even face? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I really, really, really don't. Uh, the Genius, who has been your 2020 breakout star? Uh, Britt Baker. Absolutely, Britt Baker. She has surprised me no end and more power to her. Um, on, 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 I can't pronounce it. Omnitainment says, do you think breakout megastars like The Rock and Austin would have still happened within today's WWE age of heavily scripted promos? If not, then do you feel that wrestling is severely restricted while scripts are mandatory? The scripts are a problem. I think the other problem is that WWE or Vince McMahon made a very... Um, deliberate step to ensure that the name WWE was more of a star and more of a uh, uh, 
a draw, I suppose, than any star because I think The Rock left and then Brock Lesnar left and Batista left and Chris Jericho left and all these guys did it and Chris Jericho and Batista were never the super duper stars. But I think he thought if we can make world wrestling entertainment what people come to the shows for, then I'll have more control. And ultimately it was a mistake because you have to let these larger-than-life personas shine. And the only way to do that is to give them the freedom. So that comes down to the scripts as well. But I think mainly it comes down to Vince McMahon clamping and just doing his best not to allow it to happen again, which is crazy. It's counterproductive. But then maybe he's more interested in control. Like there's that joke going around that the Thunderdome is actually his dream because he can control reactions and he can control every little aspect of it. But that's what I think we need. We need to, yeah, let the chain, you know, let the leashes off everybody and some are going to sink and some are going to swim and that's okay. And some that swink initially, sink initially, will then find their feet and go on to be even bigger than they could have done, uh, could have done otherwise. Um, and Lucy says, do you watch AEW Dark? If so, do you think it could use some type of t- championship, whether it's an existing belt or a new one, maybe something less formal, formal, Another ring like MJF has, I feel like it needs something a little else to make it stand out more. Um, Yes, potentially. I mean, I think it's more there just as a showcase of wrestling. I don't think, I think the first thing they want to do is, you know, start telling stories on both shows, which I know they do do, but they don't do a great job in balancing it out. Um, But no, I think it's supposed to be easy to watch television. And I think if you start putting too much emphasis on both shows. You don't need, it's only a year old, right? I don't think we knew to do it. And then Chris Allen jumped in saying, can you tell us why you stopped doing ups and downs for it? It's very easy, Chris. Nobody watched. If any of your series that you like disappear, it's because nobody's watching them. And it sucks we have to do that, but it is a business at the uh, at the end of the day. And I will ask one more, which will be... Falber, should Charlotte or Rousey wait for a Rumble comeback? And what will the Rumble look like in the Thunderdome should they try something fancy? Well, I will be devastated if fans can't be back for the Rumble. I don't think they are going to be. It will suck. And yes, I think if you can hold off some people as surprise returns at the Rumble, you should. It's always exciting. It's always fun. Look at Edge last year. Obviously, it wouldn't be as big as that, but that was great. It's one of the cool things about the Rumble is when you don't know. So I would say if we can, we absolutely should because it will put a smile on everybody's faces and give us something to talk about. And on that note, let me just check the news because sometimes I do these podcasts and major news is broken. I'm like, oh man, I didn't talk about that at all. But no, nothing has been going on. We just build into all the pay-per-views this weekend. If you are planning to watch them, I hope you enjoy them as much as you humanly possibly can. Enjoy the UFC too if you're going to watch that. I don't think there's anything else going on that we need to talk about. Uh, I don't want to talk about ratings. Ratings just get dull very, very quickly. It is what it is. I hope everyone does really well. Anyway, take care of yourselves. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll talk to you again next week.